Welcome to The Marissa Morrison Show, where you'll discover your inner power to create the life you desire. I'm Marissa, and I began my business as a 19-year-old, single mom, broke, and in college. Today, I run a seven-figure business that teaches entrepreneurs how they can have it all without the frustration and overwhelm. Abundance, peace, joy, and overflowing love are available to you. And I'm here to show you the way to a richer, more vibrant life that radiates into your business, bringing you higher profits and profound fulfillment. You see, when you connect with the miracle that is you, you become an unstoppable force that doesn't need to push for success. Consider this an invitation to step into a new world of possibilities, empowering perspectives, and radical breakthroughs. Buckle up and get ready to see the world around you in an entirely new light. This is your life, and you don't need to wait to experience your dreams. It all starts now. I was 12 years old, and I was getting ready to give it all, to sacrifice my soul and to lay it on the table and give all that I was. But let me back up. I want to give you a little bit of context here because this episode, as I was preparing, actually struck a little fear in me, if I'm honest. You know, I set out to reveal my past and to reveal my story to you in hopes that you could then connect to your past and experience healing and wholeness. And in doing so, I reflected on how I have so many times before given my life story and, you know, bared my soul and have seen that transformation. And it is incredibly powerful. However, I have never shared this part of my story. Most of my past when I was speaking at retreats and hosting a group of people for a transformation, it was really focused in business. Although I would focus in deeper levels of inner beliefs and the subconscious and the soul and being led by the soul so that your business is authentic reflection of you and it's fulfilling and drives profits that are uncomparable, right? It's not about competition. It's about you being truly you. And I'm still very passionate about that. But if I'm being honest, it's through coaching entrepreneurs that I first realized, you know, not only in my own experience, yes, in my own life, but seeing it in other people, realizing that it's actually who we are within. It's our inner world that manifests our outer world. And that made me so incredibly passionate. And so that's where the purpose of this podcast really lies is really tapping into your subconscious and your inner beliefs, healing the past and helping you transform your life into the greatest, most beautiful dream that you could ever dream for yourself. And in that helping you to dream even bigger than you thought before. I'm crazy in love with that because we all deserve a beautiful life. But Bearing my soul in this way today is extremely vulnerable. So I want to ask for your grace, and I'd like to ask you to set judgment aside and to really open your heart. And in doing so, I am quite literally opening mine to yours because I believe in the power of story. I believe in the power of vulnerability. And I know that there are those of you that have stories of your past that you would be ashamed to tell. But those are the stories that keep you stuck in your current reality and keep you from manifesting the dreams and desires within your soul. And so I am believing and knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that today's episode is going to radically shift some perspectives. So here we are, 12 years old, and this cycle of unworthiness is continuing. The cycle of realizing, hey, whenever I do things, I get recognized, I get noticed, and people outside of myself make me feel worthy because inside I don't feel worthy. And so here I am going to different schools, and I had a best friend named Haley at the time, and she was two years older than me. So she was 14 and I was 12. And she and I, you know, we were a little boy crazy. And this is during a time, you know, I was coming into being a woman. I was coming into this idea of being a woman, at least, although I was still very much so a child. And I started dating this guy, and I had dated him for three months. And at 12 years old, three months is an eternity, okay? So we were really serious in my mind. We were all that in a bag of chips. We were forever. And if you can remember your first boyfriend or your first love, if you want to call it that, because this was not my first love, but at the time, it was. At the time, it was my perception and my reality. It was my experience. And so, you know, he was that male figure that was giving me everything my father did not. He was not someone that I was dating because of who he was or what I thought of him and his character and his value and how we could share a life together. No, this was more about what I was getting out of the relationship, what void this was fulfilling. And in fact, there was a fear to the loss of the relationship because if I were to lose the relationship, it didn't matter how he treated me. It didn't matter how good he was. It didn't matter anything about him. What mattered is that this was fulfilling my need. It's almost like an addiction, and we'll talk about this later in the podcast, but addiction comes in many different forms. We focus on addiction with drugs and alcohol, perhaps, but fear can be an addiction. Littleness, smallness, doubt can be an addiction. And so in this first part of experiencing addiction in my life, the addiction was the attention, the attention that he was giving me. And so also my friend, who was really, as I shared in the last chapter of my life, was, you know, my only friend. I never really had more than one friend growing up because I was going to so many different schools. So I was really genuinely myself with her, and yet she was experiencing things that I was not yet. And so there was this part of me that wanted to fit in, even though she was my quote-unquote best friend, there was a part of me deep down that felt like if I truly was myself, and I was honest in what I believed and honest in who I was that I might not get accepted by her either. And while many of our beliefs for all of us don't necessarily show up as sentences we can necessarily identify, they are feelings and they are known and they show up. We'll get more into this in this podcast. This is what we're all about here is uncovering the things that we don't know that are holding us back. And so... When it came time for romantic relationships, she had more experience than me, and she had gone further than I had gone. And in this gossip, in this, you know, girly drama, you all know what I mean, I realized that this part of me, my sexuality, 
was valuable and that it got attention. And I can even remember talking on the phone. If you guys like, this is like back in the day before cell phones, we had a house phone. So like right now we don't even have a house phone. I haven't had a house phone at all as an adult, (laughs) but we had a house phone and I would talk to guys on that phone. This guy, you know, this boyfriend of mine in particular, and I would talk on the phone. And I remember one time I was talking and should not have been saying things that I was saying. And my mom picked up the phone, you know, so I'm talking, talking, talking. And she's like, Marissa, mom, it's time for dinner. Okay. (laughs) It's kind of a funny memory that I have, but it's like this desire to sneakily be a woman and be an adult was manifesting into my actions of desperation, which is just a different form of gaining attention and worthiness than what I was doing when I was younger. Now, I was still swimming competitively every single day, so that was very much a part of my reality. I was still singing. But before this element of stepping into being a woman or pretending that I was a woman and really like embracing it before my time, so to speak, you know, before it was about swimming. It was about being the best at swimming and getting attention there. And it's like whenever I realized that, okay, this other part of me also gets attention, then I started to explore it and to expand on it. And there was one time that I was spending the night, and I would do this many times where I would tell my parents, mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I feel like you know this. My mom and I are very close, so she probably knows. But I would say that I was spending the night, and in fact, Haley's parents were not as strict as mine and would allow us to do things that my parents probably wouldn't or definitely would not have allowed us to do. So one night, Haley and I, we snuck out to our boyfriend's house, and this pressure was there, this knowing that Haley was going to do this, and I was there, and my boyfriend wanted me to do this, and I was terrified that if I didn't, I would lose Haley's approval and also his approval. And so at 12 years old, this part of me, this innocence that just desired to be loved, to accepted, that was terrified of losing this acceptance, gave in. And I gave it all. And I think you know what I mean by that. I sacrificed my body in order to gain this approval. It was empty. There was nothingness there. And It's not that it was a bad or wrong thing. It's that it was out of alignment with who I was. It was out of alignment with where my soul was leading me to go. It was the smallness of myself that was full of fear and doubt and insecurity. And so I gave in. I let go. I did what I really did not want to do. And I knew that it wasn't right for me. And this set a course that really shifted my life. Now, I want to clarify right now in this very moment, we're going to keep going, but I do not regret this. Now, I certainly did at one point. I was filled with absolute and total shame. I felt like, you know, a whore. I felt absolutely worthless. It's so interesting how, like, I went after this with the hope of, you know, feeling so worthy and so loved, but yet it just reinforced my own unworthiness and lack and insecurity. It's like I would have to return there in order to feel that way again, but yet what have I done? 
how awful am I? You know, I certainly thought that I was damned. And I experienced a wide range of emotions from that experience. But who I am today, I would not be without that experience. I would not hold the wisdom that I hold. I wouldn't be able to sit here in front of you and give healing and opportunity for transformation to you. And so I see this. I also see that I would not be the same parent that I am today to my own children. My oldest is 15. My daughter will be 14 in two months. Again, I'm practicing that. (laughs) And when you're listening to this, she's probably already 14. And I see their innocence. The same innocence in them that was in me at that time, just different choice of actions. But it certainly makes me so happy to see how much further my children are, the pains that they're not having to experience that I did. But yet, even in the pain of what I was experiencing, and it is because of those experiences that I am then able to be a better mother and to be more true to who I am. Now, in that experience, even in the pain, There was still that unseen love that held me and that said that I was enough, regardless of what my parents may have thought, not that they knew, regardless of what anyone thought, I could feel it. Even though my small self would show up and be like, no, you are guilty. This is embarrassing. How could you ever do that? You're nothing but a piece of crap. You're not worthy. You might as well be the dirt in the ground because you are nothing. You have given it all, and look at what trash you are. That's what I heard. But deep within, deep, 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 I felt that love that said, no, no, it's okay. I love you anyway. I'm still here. I still give you breath in your lungs and free will, and this will be restored. And so I move on from this point in my journey And sharing this vulnerable moment, because in this lesson, one of the biggest things that I learned from this part of my life was the power of peer pressure. We're going to come back to this here in a moment, but as we move on, I want to let you know that during this time, I also thought that I was all that in a bag of chips, like, you know, egotistically. I just was like, I'm an adult. And it it was really more of the parts of me that wanted to protect the pain. And that's what happens with trauma. We'll suppress the true nature of what we actually feel and mask it with defensiveness, false confidence, and vanity. And so that's what started to happen. You know, I'm like, I'm all that in a bag of chips. I know everything. You don't know anything. You know, my dad at this point was in his later 70s. And so like his memory wasn't necessarily the best. He would tell me one thing and I would challenge him because I knew it was the truth. And he was like, I never said that, you know. And then he would call me a liar. And so it just, it's like I had already lost so much respect for him, even though he was in his own way loving and a good man with good intentions. His actions were not what I wanted and not what I approved of. And it was not the type of attention and love that I wanted. And so therefore, I just at this point, as you know, stepping into my adulthood, going in 12, 13, 14 years old, just was repelling my parents in every way, even my mother. I just was like, I don't want any of it. I am not a part of this, and I am doing my own thing. And there was screaming and yelling and strife regarding schoolwork, which, you know, my grades were still C's, D's, and occasionally F's. Like, I rarely got to be in an A. If I did, it was probably in PE or something in arts. <laughs> 
And so I was going to counseling with my parents once a week. I was on different medications for my ADD. My mom was like overbearing, you know, in a loving way, of course, but with my diet and just still that same story that I had shared before, all of this was still going on in my reality. And I was fighting back. And it was around this time that I started babysitting. And so this gave me some freedom. I was 12 years old. I was babysitting a two-year-old and a six-month-old. And then as they got older, I babysat them till they were a little bit over two and four. And so at the time, the parents had two older boys. One was a year or two older than me, and the other was like three or four years older. I don't know the exact ages. I was like 12. They were like, you know, 14 and 16 or, you know, something like that along those lines. And they did not trust the boys. So even if the boys were home, I would still babysit. And so my parents didn't really know this. And so like, even though I was babysitting, and yes, I did a good job because I always had this part of me that wanted to be a mom and was nurturing and loving. And so I had good intentions. You know, I still, in all of us, we all are good people with good intentions. So even though I had done this thing that was so shaming and I had this story in my mind that I was, you know, not very good and I wanted to prove my worth and just you know, even though I wasn't fully even aware of it, I felt it. I still was like wanting to be good. So I was good in many ways as we all are. And so I was babysitting and taking care of these kids. And I really formed special bonds with these kids. And during this time though, I was exposed to older boys and there was nothing ever romantic or, you know, flirtatious in that way. But just being around them and being their friends, I realized other people that lived in our neighborhood that were close to their age and what they were doing, I got connected with them. And before you knew it, here I was sneaking out the house at night. So we had an alarm and I would like, you know, when you press the buttons everywhere where the alarm box was or the panel, I would, you know, you'd hear beep, beep, beep. <laughs> so... I would lay in bed for like 30 minutes to an hour, wait for my parents to go to sleep, slowly sneak out the house. And, you know, I did it a lot until one time I was caught. And, you know, I don't know if you guys remember AIM, Instant Messenger, where you would like leave a message when you were gone. It would be like BRB. And I wrote what I was doing. And my parents actually, one time when I had snuck out, they called the cops and the cop realized and went to the aim and was like, oh, this is this is where she is. And they saw. And so my parents knew what I was doing because I had left aim on and had my BRB, here's what I'm doing, message. And so I was caught red-handed. But <laughs> during these times that I would sneak out, what the guys were doing, and of course, peer pressure, I wanted to be accepted, they were drinking. And so I am still to this day very much so a lightweight. I literally can have one drink, which is why I, I don't drink today at this time in my experience of life. And that's a choice because I realized my body just doesn't really handle it. And I love my clear, pure consciousness. So I don't drink. And, you know, I've also had addiction, which I will, you know, share as we go. But at this point, I remember laying there in the grass and, you know, looking up and things are kind of spinning. And it was the first time I had ever experienced being drunk. You know, I was about 13 years old, I was sneaking out and I had done this many, many nights. And even though my parents caught me, I still would do it. You know, there's that peer pressure, you know, hey, we're, we're going to be hanging out. Do you want to come? And it's like, I don't want to let them down. So I'm going to go. And, you know, I even remember we had this like 
metal cast iron pole and my bedroom was on the second floor and there was like a balcony that my bedroom attached to. And so I climbed like a monkey up the pole to try to sneak in the house. And I was up on that balcony and the doors were locked and I could not get in the house because my mama realized either the doors are unlocked or my daughter sneaked out and I'm lock all the doors. And I pretty much told my mom later, you know, she came open the door in the morning and I was crying and I'm like, I got locked. I went outside and I got locked out. And, you know, I just made up the story that like I was attacked in my mind and, you know, all these things. And of course, my mom being the loving, kind mother that she was, believed me. And so, you know, throughout this time in my life, I'm just constantly seeking approval from boys and my parents are just, there's so much strife and conflict and just really acting out in my pain that was not resolved, that was undealt with. And so finally, my parents met with a specialist who helps children find schools and experiences that will help them evolve into their greatest potential. And after looking, my parents found this all-girls school in Virginia that I went to. But before that, in that summer, I went to a summer camp. And when I got there, I believe it was in Georgia, and it was like up the road, maybe five miles from a school, which is the school, cafeteria food is what we had driven up to us for food. There was about 10 girls there. And the space where we slept was like, if you can imagine a big open room with bunk beds that made a row on each side. So there's a center aisle. That's what it was like. When I got there, my bra was taken from me because it had a metal, you know, the metal liner in a bra. And I could not have razors, anything sharp I could not have. And I was given the clothes that I would wear. And I soon realized that many of these girls had experiences that I had not had. You know, many of them had done drugs. These girls were in a different part or experience of their life than I had experienced. Like, I thought I was so bad, but I was exposed to a variety of different personalities. And sitting here today, those girls were beautiful and they were not bad and they were a blessing to my life and a gift to experience. And I'm sure that they're off doing beautiful things. But at this time in my perspective, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not so bad after all. (laughs) You know, I'm like, see, mom, I'm not so bad. And so, you know, we went through these different lessons. They had all these schedules for us. And I was miserable, quite honestly. I was absolutely miserable. I felt like I should not have been there. I was not meant to be there. They had a mistake sending me there. And we were taught really like boot camp. Like if you can imagine like military boot camp, although I have never been, so I cannot speak from that experience. But what I would imagine it to be, it was that. And in fact, our teacher was a prior military personnel. And so we had ropes courses. We would run. We were kind of like in this valley area with trees and forests. And so like we'd go in the forest and we'd do all of these, you know, extracurricular activities and these sports and competitions and really pushing our bodies to the limit. And there was one ropes course where I was about 20 feet high and I fell and I, you know, landed wrong and I tore my ACL. And I was so desperate to go home. The pain actually wasn't as bad as you would imagine. I didn't care. I just was like, this is my ticket out. And so I would go in the bathroom. I'd like punch my knee over and over. I'm like trying to make it purple because I personally don't bruise very easily. And I was just so desperate. I wanted to get out of there. I wanted freedom. Don't keep me here. I don't belong here. And so sure enough, they sent me home. I had to have major ACL repair surgery. And that was something I was, you know, I was just happy to get home. 
And shortly after that, I started the all-girls boarding school, and it was in Virginia. It was a beautiful experience, and I met some very dear friends there. And because it was all-girls, it really helped me to begin to heal from this desire to get attention from the opposite sex or from my sexuality, from my you know female identity, from my body, the part that really isn't even me. It is me. And, you know, on this podcast, we'll talk about the connection to the body and what the body reveals to you. And it is a reflection of you because it holds the energy within that you have experienced, what you have known, where you are stuck. It's all within the body. But at the same time, we're so much more than the body. The body is our ability to experience form in this three-dimensional plane. And so at the time, you know, that part of gaining value and worthiness was then taken. And so it was like a breath of fresh air. It's like all these girls who just were girls. No one really wore makeup. Like people were totally themselves. Girls would like not take showers for days and stink. And like, we were just total girls. Like there was no even like, it's so interesting, you know, looking back there, you know, like in your stereotypical high school, there's, you know, the gals who were dressed up all the time and like the popular girls, maybe that's just in movies. But I certainly experienced that in my own experience of high school. And at this, you know, all-girls school, there was not that. There was just like this purity of nature. And I feel like I was able to just be me. I didn't have to like show up and be sexy or like convince myself that that was where my value was. And so, you know, seventh and eighth grade, I was at this all-girls boarding school and we lived in like dorms and had, you know, dorm moms is what they were called two per floor and we all had roommates. And so I learned to share a space with someone. I learned to cooperate with people and to share life with someone in a pure sense. And for me, that was healing. There was also a psychologist there that for the first time my parents weren't sitting down with. I would, you know, go with her and she would teach me meditation. We would meditate together. It was the first time I ever experienced meditation. And that was healing. You know, that was a practice that I carried with me to this day and was transformational. I also was able to further explore my passion for music. One thing that I had done before was singing in the choir, and I did so after I left the all-girls school. But in the all-girls school, there was a gospel choir of about 12 people, more of a gospel group, I should say. There was 12 of us, and you had to audition. So, of course, you know, I loved getting accepted. And we would have these different parts and we'd harmonize. And there is so much fun in singing your part, at least for me. And I kept playing the piano and I kept playing the guitar and writing music. And so this part of me was expanding and evolving. And in fact, some of the girls, we traveled to England for music and we sang in different settings. One of them was with the Queen of England. So that was pretty dang cool. We traveled to Peru and I got to see different parts of the world with groups of people that were my age that I had shared prior experiences to. So that was also beautiful, also healing. And in this, I also took my first course in photography in eighth grade where I was photographing nature and it was with film photography and I got to see the dark room. And that was just magical to watch what I photographed with my own eyes develop under the light. And so this was such a beautiful experience. And I even would travel back and forth from Virginia to Louisiana on my own. I, you know, would wear my high heels, you know, I'm 13. My daughter wears high heels too. So I get it. 
And <laughs> I just thought I was so cool, you know, I'm like traveling by myself. And at a certain point, of course, you know, when you're a certain age, the airlines has uh, assigned personnel to watch over the minor. And so I did have that, but I just felt like a big girl, you know, like I was growing up, I was doing my thing. But after two years, I really wanted to come home. I felt this desire to be with my family. It's so interesting. I wanted to be raised. As weird as that sounds, like, can you imagine a 13-year-old saying, you know, this was truly me, like, mom, dad, I just want you to raise me. Like, I want that. Even though I had left so much strife and pain and what I perceived to be disapproval, I wanted to go back to it. Because the part of me that was a child, deep within, that just rushed into being an adult, that just pushed this innocence out so that I could experience what I thought would give me independence and freedom, actually still needed to be healed. It still needed that returning home, that you know, forgiveness to my father, which came later as I'll share in future episodes. And so I went home. I went home and and it was it was beautiful. You know, I was able to, in a sense, have a fresh start with my parents. And it was something that I had longed for for so long after being in there. And all of this really points to peer pressure because my inner beliefs, what I sought for in terms of fulfillment was outside of myself. I wasn't going within to remind myself how loved I was or to reinstill that belief that I was worthy. It was the other way around. It was that I was not worthy within. And so therefore, I had to do things outside of myself to receive that confirmation. And so it manifested in the form of false, unauthentic intimacy, drinking, sneaking out. And that was all fueled by peer pressure. But yet, at every perceived failure or act of shame or guilt that bleeds into our minds, there's a gift of wisdom, of a lesson there. And through that pain, it was transformed into beauty in the experiences that followed. And this passion flourished in me of life, of my creativity, developing in skills and letting go of the parts that like came out to protect myself. You know, I had to let go of that to be like, to be vulnerable with my parents and say, hey, I, I want to come home. And that was when I was acting at the truest form of myself, letting go of any peer pressure and just truly being who I was, the innocent child within that longed to have this healing with my parents. And I'd love right now for you to consider your own life and especially your ages from, you know, maybe your teen years, maybe before, but can you identify a point of peer pressure for yourself where you acted on it, but it maybe wasn't in alignment with who you were. And because you acted on it, you then felt shame or guilt. And maybe even to this day, you regret your actions and blame yourself for those actions. Today is a chance to rewrite that story in your own mind because it is in your innocence that you chose to act. It's in the part of you that just long to be loved or to be accepted that acted out of alignment. And this shows up in adulthood when we're booking clients and we know that we should say no. Guess what? 
It's the same pattern of thought. And so that's why it can be so transformative and healing to go back to your past, even though we run from it or regret it or have shame from it. We have to go back and heal those parts of us or else we will remain stuck in that shame. And so since this show is about honesty and vulnerability, you know, I share this about myself because it is in that peer pressure that I was transformed into this butterfly, this reconnection of who I was and release of the prickly pear part of me that comes out to defend and to put off this false confidence and to, you know, lean on my body for attention. Those parts of me were let go of, not wholly, not totally, but the process began, the healing began. And much later in my life, I came to terms with these experiences. So it didn't happen overnight. And even now, if you can identify actions that you took because of peer pressure, it's likely that you may not be able to recover tomorrow. Like just because you're like, okay, Marissa, that's great for you. I'm still here today. I honor that. And I hope that you honor that as well, because this isn't about an overnight transformation. We're not here to rush through our lives. We're here to experience our lives. And experiencing our lives is not just about the happy, joyful moments. We have to go through the pain and the suffering and the healing to therefore understand the value and the vibrancy of a fulfilling life, of joy, of freedom. And so those more elevated emotions come from also transforming the past. And so right now, I offer you this opportunity to give compassion to yourself where you acted in peer pressure and really start to become aware of it in your own life. And I want to leave you with this thought. There is no opinion more valuable than your own. We so often go to seek others' opinions. How would you handle this decision? What is your business strategy? How did you get success? What do you think I should do? We are always asking our friends and our peers these questions, but ultimately, you already know deep within. It can be helpful, yes, to gain wisdom and advice and counsel from others, but it's only a guidepost, and it doesn't mean that you need to follow it. It just means that you now are equipped with wisdom from others and that it's time to tap into your inner knowing, to your soul that is always loving and guiding you. And so I encourage you to take this journey and I want to give you a great big hug. I'm sending you all my love because you have completed another deep session together. This chapter of my life where I'm being vulnerable, but yet I know that this is you know, deep work. It's not necessarily hard. The reason it can be hard is because we have to be really honest with ourselves, which sometimes isn't fun or we don't want to do it. We avoid it. We press past it because there's that fear. But doing this work and being really honest with yourself is where you're healing, where your dreams are manifested faster than you could ever imagine. It's here that the work is done. And so uncovering the beliefs that you've held on to and reframing them so that you can truly tap into your power to transform your life because it all begins with you and you are at the captain of your ship. I adore you and I cannot wait to continue this journey of uncovering the unthinkable, how I forgave the unforgivable and how I was able to use 
these stories of my life to transform into success, to transform into a life that I am so proud of, that I love, and that I'm so grateful for because you deserve it too. And I can't wait to see how your life evolves from today. Because guess what? This, my friend, is only the beginning and there's so much more to come. Here we are again at the conclusion of another episode. I'm sending you a virtual hug and I want you to know I am so proud of you for staying committed to your dreams. It's all possible and it begins with you. If you'd like to discover more support, visit marissamorrison.net where I have created opportunities for you to connect, expand, and to evolve into your greatest potential. Until next time, friend, I'm thinking of you and sending you all my love.